0: this is the brew world order podcast welcome to the brew world order podcast my name is mike Curtin. if you haven't subscribed yet well now's the time this is episode number 33 and in this episode i sit down with tommy bibelowitz co-owner of four noses brewing company in broomfield colorado tommy talks to me about how the idea to get his brewery up and running finally happened what he didn't expect to find at night after closing up the place and how passion really drives his family-owned business. Well, me and Tommy really aren't that different. I feel the same way about the family here at the Brew World Order Podcast. There's me, and there's me. Maybe me and Tommy aren't that similar, but we both really do like beer. And so do you if you're listening to this episode. And that's what really makes us family. I think, I'm not really sure. But what I am sure of is that you should sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order Podcast, and today I'm with Tommy Bibliowitz of Four Noses Brewing Company in Bloomfield, Colorado. Tommy Bibliowitz was attending the University of Denver. There he grew very fond of craft beer. And while being in Denver, it's not a very hard thing to do. After he graduated with a degree in finance, he headed back to New York, where he was originally from, with his wife, Megan. There, him and his father started homebrewing together. As time went on, Tommy liked the job he had, but the idea of sitting in a cubicle as a 9-to-5 just didn't feel right to him. On top of that, New York just didn't feel like home anymore. So him and his wife headed back to Colorado where they first met. Megan went back to law school, and Tommy decided to further his education in brewing at UC Davis. That's when they started to write up their business plan and make the family's brewery dreams, which came about during a trip to Ireland into reality. And in May of 2014... Along with his father, mother, brother, and wife, Tommy opened Four Nose's Brewing Company in Bloomfield, Colorado. And Tommy's here with me today. Tommy, thank you for being with me, man.
1: Mike, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that was uh so as I was mentioning on the you had a trip to Ireland. Um that was in two thousand eight, right? For your dad's fiftieth birthday? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was actually, uh, I was out there for study abroad uh, as a program through the university and, uh, they came out to visit for his 50th birthday. Right. That's right. when we started going breweries together for the first time.
0: Right. And so basically that's when the idea first came about, right? To open up a brewery. Was it like a, was it kind of like just a, oh yeah, we should do this? Or was it like, let's make this happen type of thing? Like what was the uh, ambition behind that?
1: Oh, well, I think at that point it was very loose. It was maybe just, uh. Man, brewing seems like something we should try, and homebrewing sounds like fun, and craft beer is awesome. A little more along those lines, I wouldn't say it was necessarily where the idea sparked to start a brewery. It was more so, let's get into this, let's explore it a little bit more and learn about it.
0: Right. So, what would you say was like the aha moment where you finally started to pursue it that made you write that business plan?
1: <laughs> it was several years later, it was actually at a friend of mine's wedding, we had been talking about it. and. Uh, got to the point where I, I had a structure, an idea I thought would work. You know, a little later in the evening, we'd had a few beers and I brought it up to my family. And I think that's probably when it started to, when the wheel started to turn a little bit more.
0: Right. So <laughs> from the process of uh, you first starting to open your business to when you finally opened the doors, what do you think the mo- was the most challenging part for you? That's a good
1: question. I, I would say there's a few different components that I just didn't really figure. For one, when you're making a business plan, you have to understand that the best way plans, it, it's just a guess. You're really throwing darts at a wall. Right. right. Uh, we had designed our business where we said, okay, we're going to start with manufacturing production. We're going to have a tap room, but we think that tap room will be an ancillary part of our business. We don't really expect being out in Broomfield, uh, that we were going to have a, a very busy tap room, so let's focus on getting kegs to market and eventually packaging. Uh, well, that just isn't how the first year went at all. Uh, we, we found it was really difficult actually to compete in the market because our tap room was quite busy and we were not prepared for that. Uh, I was bartending and brewing and still trying to figure out the backhouse stuff as well uh, for running the business, but. Um, it definitely was uh, a complete 180 for what our business plan was designed to be. So, I, I would say that was probably the biggest hurdle to overcome this, was figuring that out and saying, okay, well, we had this business plan, but it's no longer useful or relevant six months in. Right. Trying to figure out uh, staffing, hiring, all that was certainly a challenge as well.
0: Right, I'm sure. And uh, how did you go about funding the business?
1: So, it was, all, it was funded by uh, all the partners.
0: Okay, and did you actually go to, like, people, or did people come to you?
1: Uh, No, we wanted to keep it uh, just in the family.
0: Oh, just in the family. Um, So it's only only family-owned, basically. Correct. 100%
1: owned by
0: by the four of us. Nice. So speaking of uh, being a family-owned business, um, what do you think some of the perks— I mean, I know some people say, like, you know, you shouldn't hire family and this and that, but what are some of the perks for you— of having a family-owned business,
1: I would say the biggest thing is you know we, we have a, a serious passion for this, uh, and we all bring something completely different to the table. It's nice to work with people that are different from you, that have different minds and different experiences. And even though they're family and we're really close, and we are a very close family, uh, you know my brother and my dad are both architects, and they both uh, are incredible artists. Uh, and are really, you know, aesthetically inclined, whereas I could barely draw a stick figure. (laughs) So (laughs) I think it's really nice to have their participation. They uh, both have designed our spaces, whereas my dad designed the original space in Brookfield. My brother designed uh, our space up in in Boulder. We opened a second project called Bottle Provisions. Um, So that's really nice to have that. Uh, And then my mom and I both have a little bit more of a business background. So... uh, you know, she's been extremely helpful in, in helping me kind of guide through some of the waters of, uh, of growing a business and hiring new employees and dealing with all the uh, challenges that come with it.
0: Right. And what was something you never thought you were going to have to deal with when becoming an owner of a business?
1: <laughs> the real answer or the, the politically correct one? Um, the
0: real answer would probably be best. <laughs>
1: Truthfully, some of the stuff you have to clean up when you're closing up the bar. (laughs)
0: Right, right. (laughs) Uh,
1: Wouldn't have expected that people, uh, you know, effectively can't handle themselves in public and make a mess and leave in the bathroom for you to find. Uh, Stuff like that. Um, (laughs) That was definitely
0: unexpected. And beyond that,
1: uh, you know, I don't always really expect some of the. some of the random challenges that come up uh just different things with various employees, maybe uh, challenges in their lives, and you know we're all tied together, we're all kind of this you know in this family environment where we really get to know everybody we work with, and uh, you see the challenges people face and and try and help them through it too
0: right what would you say was is one of the things that makes you a good business owner?
1: Uh, I don't know that I am, but <laughs> I would say that uh you know, it's very important to me to know what I'm doing. Uh, not just necessarily running the business, but also understanding the function of running a brewery. Uh, I know what our equipment does. I know the process. I know the science behind it. You know, I'm actively participating in the uh, marketing side and the bit. You know, the recipe design and creating products and improving our quality. Uh, I think a lot of people go into this as you know, it's a it's a business, and I'm making a product. And as long as I understand how to run a business, and I can this no problem uh, I think it's really important to me to, to actually know what's going on and, and be able to do it at that level and you know I did for a long time I was brewing I was packaging um, and not so much anymore but uh, that does really impact how how I manage and how I run
0: the business right what would you say are there any lessons uh, big lessons that you've learned from maybe like you know minor mistakes that you know like hey let's not do this again oh
1: yeah countless. Kind of <laughs>
0: um What was the, what's the, yeah. what would you say is the biggest one that comes to mind for you?
1: You know, I think it's it's very easy to get excited about a, a new prospect, whether it's working with a, you know another company or a distributor, whatever the case may be, expanding to a new state. Right. Uh, I would sort of, I, I would definitely want to say, you know, know what you're getting into, understand it, understand contracts, spend the time, you know, working together and negotiating on, on good legal things. I think it's. You know, I think that's incredibly important and something that we've given uh, or spent a lot more time on um, It's just really getting to be familiar with the contracts and, and what we get
0: ourselves into right right So like are you talking about like collaborations with other breweries as well or
1: no that's that's a lot of fun yeah. uh, and we never really have any issues there more so just with uh, you know, other other businesses that we we
0: align ourselves with oh gotcha okay so like speaking of other breweries, who would you say inspired you the most in the beer industry?
1: I say when we got started, uh, it was actually two, um, Russian river. So it was a big inspiration for us. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, Captain Lawrence in New York. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. that was not too far from where we were. And you know, that was really when we started actually watching a brewery, uh, that I think when they started or when we went there, they had a three barrel or maybe a seven barrel system. And then, you know, now they're at this huge production level. Um, so it was really cool to watch that. Uh, that was something we got to experience, um, you know, from a distance, but, but watch it grow up and, and become a great success story. So right. I, I would say those two.
0: So I know probably uh, your, your other family members would have a different answer for this. What would you say was a very defining moment for you in your company, like a successful moment that kind of made you realize, like, this is going in the right direction?
1: <laughs> it's silly, but... When I started to see like our T-shirts and stickers around town, right, um, it was kind of cool to realize that we had a little bit of a fan base starting. Right, right. Um, that was kind of a nice feeling. It, it you know, it's, it's easy to know that people recognize your brand when they're in the tap room and when you see them, and and you know, when you talk to them, of course, they're going to say nice things to you. But to actually see it out in the wild, if you will, I thought that was kind of a a nice feeling.
0: Yeah, for sure. And when you have fans out there, it's a uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and how did and how does your company go about? I mean, I know it's like very uh, the brewery industry is very like brotherhood like. Um, but how do you go about staying ahead of competition?
1: You know, I, I think it's a lot of that's focused internally and externally. I'd say the internal component is as long as we're always pushing our quality. I, I think that's one thing that you know craft, the craft industry is certainly struggled with and been getting a lot better with it, is making sure that, you know, beer's uh, consistent, that we don't have quality issues on the shelf, that our packaging is good, that we, you know, low oxygen pickup and good seams, et cetera. Kind of the boring stuff there, but you know, that's really important and something we've uh, really heavily invested our, our time and money into is just making sure that we're getting the equipment that, that makes sure our beer is really, really solid when you get it. Um, and then I would say, you know, we're not, we're not going to try and reinvent the wheel, all the time with new product, it's it's nice to see what else people are doing on the market, and I think that's how you get a lot of inspiration to try new things. Right. Um, and, and then also really trusting your team to come up with cool ideas and working together on it, encouraging that, encouraging uh, creativity from all different parts of the company—not just managers, and brewers, but taproom staff and packaging staff and sales and marketing team. You know, everybody contributes to what we're doing because. You got to think if everybody, if somebody wants uh, or some style seems interesting to, to one of us and, and that kind of grows and people are actually getting pretty excited about it in the company, uh, I, I would hope that we'd see that when it goes to market as well. And I think we've been pretty successful there.
0: Yeah. As far as, I know this is a very important thing to you, you know, like staying afloat in the industry and, and staying on top of your game, but... How important is a mental break for you?
1: I don't know. I haven't really had one. Really? Uh, I think you're you're just always, uh, yeah, I'm always thinking about it and, you know, in constant communication with our team. Right. Uh, So I guess there's been a couple of times, like my wife and I just did a backpacking trip through the Marin Bells so we were out of contact for four days. Uh, That was a nice mental break, but we were mentally challenged on other things, like uh, backpacking and sleeping in a tent for three nights. Um, Oh, yeah.
0: I can relate. (laughs) It's it's not fun.
1: It was was fun. I had a great time, but it was definitely a challenge.
0: The the sleeping part definitely is the worst part of the whole thing, I think.
1: (laughs) Actually, we were so tired from the... It was was like 32 miles and four mountain passes, and we are carrying our bags, so... Yeah, I think we could have slept anywhere, to be honest. Yeah, right. We're just exhausted. <laughs> um, I think that's probably about as removed as I've been, but even still, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about what what happens when you get back. Um, I, I don't, I don't really like the idea of, of walking away from it too much and fully like blocking out ideas because it's, it's at the end of the day. I mean, this is you know as much a passion as anything else. So
0: right, for sure. I mean, so you've been open for. A Little over six years now, is that right? Or over, six? yep, right?
1: Uh, um, over six, it would be it would have been six in May,
0: six in May, right? So, a little over six, right? Um, so, what do you think's the, been the biggest change for you, uh, since you've you opened you first opened your brewery? I don't
1: know, I mean, I think I've, I've walked away a lot more from being a, a hands on, you know, production person to uh, really just spending all my time kind of trying to lead this team uh, that we built. So it's been, that's been a pretty big transition for me personally. Um, (laughs) Spending more time, you know, as a manager than as an active participant.
0: Right. Right. I love this question. Um, Cause I mean, I don't know if in New York you, uh, you've had your first craft beer or if it was when you were in, you know, in college or whatever the case is, but what was your gateway beer into the craft beer world?
1: Arrogant bastard from Stone.
0: Arrogant bastard. Okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's I. You know, I probably God, I haven't had that beer in probably over seven or eight years. Yeah, but, right. Uh, yeah, that was that was it. That was the one that really brought us into it. You know, it was strong. It was bitter. It had a cool story on it. Uh, it just it was loaded with all these flavors that you know I've never had before in mm-hmm. beer. Certainly interesting, and yeah, I would say that was definitely it. And then when I came out, actually, some of the ones we had in Colorado, um, uh, Hog Heaven from uh, Avery, I that was kind of the, the style I was into when I first got into the, uh, first got into craft beer. So yeah, I, I would probably point to those too.
0: Yeah, for sure, it's great beers. What's next for for noses? What does the future look like for you, and where are you guys trying to push it towards?
1: You know, I think everybody's idea of what the future looked like changed quite a bit this year. Oh yeah, for Uh, sure. (laughs) So really, right now, it's it's pushing our innovation. Um, We've been uh, that's that's how we've been able to to keep everybody employed and and happy during you know our shutdown and all the other things. It's really just let's come out with new products, let's get it to market, let's let's do fun taproom releases and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, So always focusing on that, always focusing on how we can improve our product. Um, you know, I'm really excited about our new project with uh, Wild Provisions, which is focusing on uh, traditional textile lagers and, and wild beers. Uh, so I think a lot of what we're we're doing there, even though it is a really small uh, volume for us, it, it really actually teaches us a lot. We're learning constantly through that project. Uh, we're exploring different techniques and processes that, you know, some we can replicate at our larger scale and some we can't. So it's fun to just see it play out. And, and learn, learn why people used to do it that way.
0: Gotcha. If somebody came to you, which I'm sure they do, uh, and asked you for some advice on opening their own brewery, what would you tell them?
1: I would tell them, you know, look, it, it does sound like fun, but you have to remember that this is really, it's, it's a competitive and difficult industry. And, you know, if it's something that you love and you really want to pursue it, I highly encourage it. But I would really encourage that you uh, spend the time and, and learn Learn, learn how to commercially brew. Uh, learn how to troubleshoot issues because nothing ever goes according to plan. Right. Um, and then also learn how to run a business. Uh, it is still fat. It is still something that you have to, you know, figure out the ins and outs of uh, managing, you know, expenses and uh, hiring employees and challenges there. And I mean, there's you know components to that are just like every other business, and there's some that are incredibly unique to the brewing industry. But that would would probably be my my advice.
0: Yeah. So uh, did you happen to have a funny story for us?
1: So kind of. Okay. Uh, I'll talk about some production issues that we've had at different points that I thought were really funny. My favorite of which actually happened very early on. We hired uh, one of our electricians on the project um, to – he was bartending with us for a little bit. And he was a really nice guy, a young guy and in the construction industry and he didn't like to see things that were loose. Uh, we had a barrel that we were fermenting a beer in It' was like a wine barrel and we had set a cork on top of it or a bung uh, and the idea was you know you don't you don't want that bung to be set in because during fermentation you know you're producing co2 obviously and that's going to create some pressure if it's in an enclosed area and can't escape right. and in the barrel, you don't really want a lot of pressure in there. No. <laughs> so, as he was on his way home, he was last out. Uh, he walks by and he sees the cork or the bone kind of not sitting securely in the barrel and decides, well, I don't like things that are loose, so I'm going to fix that. So, he goes over and grabs a rubber mallet and slams oh, it into no. place. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I come to work the next morning and then I'm like, oh. I was kind of, you know, we put it over the drain, over a floor drain, so I was like, oh, you know, I kind of expected a little bit of a mess. I guess it didn't start fermenting last night. And then I looked at the bung and realized it was flush with the barrel, and that's when it kind of set in, like, oh, no, something's going to blow up here, and if that bung is really secure, that pressure's going to push out the head of the barrel, and the barrel's going to explode. Right. So... (laughs) Uh, I was hoping that there was not a lot of pressure in the barrel yet and that fermentation was slow to start. Uh, Of course it was not. It was rapidly fermenting. We opened the bung and hit it off with a hammer and as soon as the bung came out, uh, the beer inside the barrel actually had about 17 feet from our floor to ceiling uh, and the uh, liquid propelled out and splattered our ceiling and I would say we probably lost about Ten gallons, which is not that much coming out of a barrel, but still, probably about ten gallons, and was a very uh, terrifying display of pressure. Yeah, beer. A straight everywhere. guy.
0: Straight geyser <laughs> out of a barrel. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. no, it was a geyser, and it hit. I mean, to go up, you know, I'd say the barrel was three feet off the ground, four feet off the ground. Right. It went thirteen feet in the air.
0: Jeez. So, yeah, right. that was. Oh, was fun. Yeah, man. So, I have a uh, little segment, just five quick questions, beer related. Ready? Sure. Okay. One of four noses beers that you would recommend someone try?
1: Uh, I'd start with our About the end Time IPA because that's our, you know, that's our core, one of our core brands and uh, an IPA that we try and distribute and make the most of. So, I really enjoy that one. And then our perfect drink Pilsner is our traditional German style Pilsner with a little bit of a twist. I think that kind of shows the uh, variety that we produce. So, I'd try those two for sure.
0: Okay. Uh, favorite brewery other than your own? So always it top. Uh, probably De Cam in Belgium. De Cam in Belgium. Favorite style of beer?
1: That's impossible to answer. It depends on the time of day.
0: All right, <laughs> time of day. <laughs> you have a top three? Uh, sure. Obviously, uh, pilsner. Uh, probably a goose, and um, uh, probably, uh, probably a probably a Yeah. Okay. Good enough for me? Uh, <laughs> Barrel-aged, Imperial, or both? I think both. Both, yeah. That's that's my choice, anyway. And uh, <laughs> and you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? Perfect Drift. Yeah, that's our uh, German-style
1: Pilsner. That's what we actually had on draft during shutdown at home.
0: Oh, yeah? Uh, really?
1: I'm glad we did.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, well... Uh, Tommy, that's all I got for you, man. Thank you so much. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Tommy Bibulowitz of Four Noses Brewing Company in Broomfield, Colorado. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, you should definitely check him out. Also, give him a follow on social media. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode of the podcast, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Also, give us a follow on social media. Because it's just the right thing to do. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.